Same old Henry, afraid of your own shadow. You know what, Henry? You're a regular barnyard exhibit. Sheep's eyes, chicken guts, piggy friends, and shit for brains. No good at departmental politics. No good at making money. No good at making an impression on anybody. And no good at all in bed. When was the last time you got it up, Henry? Huh? When was the last time you were a man in our bed? Now get out of my way, Henry, or I swear to God you'll be wearing your balls for earrings. And I swear to God, if you ever touch Oh, just... Just tell it to call you Billy. All right, I told this story quite a few times, but I'm going to tell it again. 1984, late 83, I can't remember exactly. But we were given on Christmas Eve our first VCR, those three first films, which we've talked, uh, one of them already, 2001 Space Odyssey, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and the one we're about to talk about, Creep Show. Uh, I, it's a fond, fond memory. That was a great night of movie watching. We'll be getting to Raiders, obviously, with the new one coming out this year. We'll be doing the retrospective on the Raiders film, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, so it'll be nice to kind of get out of the way the three films that I first viewed as a kid on a, in a VCR. Uh, movie not in the, our own VCR, I guess you could say. Uh, this would be the first Stephen King non-novel this was written for strictly for this big screen um some of the stories in this i haven't read them all Stephen king said did he did take them and pepper out some of his mini stories he's done in the past um are influenced in these ones but for continuity's sake this is the first Stephen king screenplay yeah original script yep and technically, the marketing was brilliant in this, how they made it a comic book. They released it before the movie. Uh, as the movie came out, you could get this and the movie. Very smart. And I remember getting this when I was a kid. I loved it. And you could buy them now. They have you know reissues of this. But again, you can technically say this could have been the first graphic novel <laughs> that was produced. Because uh, the Creepshow comic it was, a, it was it was a graphic novel, too. But here we go. We got the trifecta. In the early 80s, you had three names who were God in horror. You've got the director, George Romero. You've got this, this visual effects guru, gore fest himself, Tom Savini. And of course, you had the hot, hot, ever so hot writer, Stephen King. So you pretty much have the trifecta going into this. And... Uh, the rest is history. I don't have much to say about it, but I'll, everyone knows me. I love Creepshow. I love everything about Creepshow. 
But when you watch it through the podcast eyes, does it hold up still? And I'm going to change my, my views on a couple of these little uh, stories we're about to talk about. Um, and one will be a pleasant surprise. Let's just let's, let's do to talk about the prologue and the epilogue real quick here, Trevor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll just do the all in one. It has your boy. I can't. I'm not going to say it because I'm trying to laugh. <laughs> Tom Atkins. Tom skirts greatness. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got Tom Atkins who plays Stan. You got the mom, and then you got Joe Hill who plays Billy. Yes. And Stephen son. Stephen Kingson. He still looks like that today, doesn't he? He's he's. Yeah, I mean, he looks like Stephen, his father. Yeah. Uh, big time. Yeah. And I actually know a lot. See, whenever he became a, a very well-respected, um, successful author that he is today, he obviously goes on to the name Joe Hill because he wanted to make it on his own two feet and not as being the son of Stephen King. But I actually know... Um, some, it was actually a British um, publishing company and, and an editor um, who discovered him and, um, and, and published his first work. I actually knew them quite well, and yeah, I mean, he's actually really good in this, uh, Joe Hill. Yeah, he's quite good in it. He's, uh, he comes off really creepy kid. He, the great thing about it... <laughs> Especially at the, the end. F- the first part of the prologue, uh, the part, the, the prologue itself, the first part is, well, hence prologue, <laughs> he's just a kid, he's arguing with his dad, and then the, ep- the epilogue part, it's kind of a, he's like a little monster. It's great. Oh yeah, um, and he he does play it well. The dad's cool. I mean, Tom Atkins plays a douchebag great. He yeah. always has, and the kid makes a good point. When you're growing, uh, he talks about you get all these gory comics and you got all these monsters and this is sick. This is sick. And the kid calls him out. Well, you got all the porn magazines in your fucking dresser. Well, this is very much a hypocrisy on the actual controversies that the old EC comics. Um, kicked up back then you know from the 1950s um and stuff uh, here in the uk as well they were very controversial and um you know there was you know certain bodies that were out to have them banned and stuff and and you know there was like teachers groups communist groups and stuff um what concerned parents groups um i'm speaking here mainly um in, in the uk but this was also going on in, a, in america where these were seen as you know pure trash and yeah. corrupting the, 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 yeah. the youth. And the same thing happened with DJing and uh, when rock and roll started coming around mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. people boycotting, you know, and, and Elvis and all these artists. Um, yeah. So it's, a, so it's the same concept, you know. It's a very clever, but this, these sort of the um, prologue and the epilogue, they're very clever commentaries on that. And there's other clever commentaries through this as well. You know, all those. Those old um, um, comic books and stuff that you used to get, you know, those horror comic books and stuff where you used to, like, sell all the bikes, a lot of shit and stuff, you know. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, no, I know, and I, and I remember that. I mean, X-ray glasses and stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I think nobody's seen really talks about more about hypocrisy. Yes. Especially of a parent back then. Here's a dad who's swearing vul- violently at his kids, abuses them. Hits them. And, and yep. watches porn. Yeah. So and yet this kid's just reading a flipping comic book. Yeah. Um, you know, and and that's where Creepshow I think got his marketing idea from what you just said from those comic books. You know, Vault of Terror and Tales from the Crypt. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole that that whole collection of comics that came out back in the what fifties, late sixties. There was know, an incident. That just a quick um, sidetrack here. There was an, an incident uh, in a tough um, housing estate. 
in Glasgow. I think it was back in the 1950s, possibly the 60s. I think it was the 1950s, where a bunch, basically it, co- it caused a huge outcry. But basically, what happened was um, there was an actual killer on this estate, and a couple of dead, you know, like a real life killer, um, had um, killed a couple of people on this estate in Glasgow. So these kids who had been reading these um, sort of EC horror comics and stuff got it into their heads, or I don't know, there was a rumour went around anyway that there was some sort of vampire in the estate, on the estate. So all of these kids, like like dozens of these kids congregated on like this part of the estate, this green or something, armed to the teeth with, with like fucking wooden stakes and, you know, stuff like that to go vampire slaying. And it, it caused a huge outcry, and there was all these bodies, and you have to ban these, you know, ban this filth type thing, you know. So they get the killer. Well, I, I don't think they actually did. So, but so we have so, no ending. We have no ending to this story. Well, the comics. They tried to get the comics banned. That, that, that I know that for sure. Um, but uh, and it wasn't really a vampire. I, I do know that. Um, but you know, just yeah. shows you. <laughs> Well, it sounds like the kids are trying to help. I think that's a positive message. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> With their wooden stakes. <laughs> and, uh, we, and their clothes of garlic. In the, silver in, bullets. In the 80s, we talk Scream Queens all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, Jamie Lee and Tracy Lords and so forth. And Adrian Babo would be one probably. Yes, definitely. And why not Scream Kings? Because I'll tell you what, a boy, Tom Atkins should be up there. Yeah, I mean the fog, Halloween three, Creep Show, Night of the Creeps, Maniac Cop, especially around this period. Yeah, I'm sure I'm missing a couple there, but uh, you should be up there, Scream mm-hmm. Queens. Which I'm sure we don't. I'm surprised we don't have that. Mm-hmm. Probably because it doesn't roll off the tongue. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so when he pretty much grounds his kid, and the next day, the dad throws out the you know he throws out the, throws out the magazine. And like you mentioned, when I was a kid growing up, you can look through the comics and you have these adverts, you know, x-ray glasses and and voodoo dolls and all this. This was <laughs> yeah. actually legitimate. You, you could cut it out and you paid $5 for posting. Yeah, there were complete scams. Yeah. You got the stuff. Oh, yeah. But, but it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, it was crap. Uh, probably collectible as hell now. No way. But uh, I do like when Tom Savini's the, the guy in the dumpster. It's a really funny cameo, Bam. Yeah, they're reading through the comic, and oh, look, the voodoo doll. Oh, that one's already taken. <laughs> and then we see Billy using the voodoo doll against his dad. It's pretty good. Yeah. Now, the famous Father's Day we're about to talk about, the ashtray that kills the father, is actually in every episode in this. Yes, case. I read up about that, yeah. Um, so when I Billy. I didn't notice it for myself, personally. You have, to, you have to find it, like when Billy's stabbing the voodoo doll. Mm hmm. It's right next to Billy on the da- on the table there. Mm-hmm. Um, that pretty much brings us to Father's Day. Father's Day is my second favorite one. Um, it is a bunch of fucking obnoxious, <laughs> rich, overindulgent, spoiled fucking brats who get their comeuppance, and I love it. What's the deal with their disco dancing and stuff, Ed Harris and stuff? I'll tell you what, Ed Harris has some great moves. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Hank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, per Hank's the only one who didn't deserve. Well, he probably did deserve to get it because of his dance moves. Yeah, and those really tight jeans. Which, Jesus, how was he breathing? Mm-hmm. Oh, how was he sitting? Mm-hmm. But and, uh, and you got you got Vivica uh, Linfors, yes, who plays Aunt Bedelia, who needs to be a shout out because she has got 
a hundred and seven. She had a hundred and seventy nine credits to her name, including three of my favorites, which is Creep Show, Stargate, and of course the Nurse in Legion Exorcist yes, Three. Yes, she played Nurse X, the cat. Well, she's the catatonic patient possessed by um, Brad Dorf, essentially. Yeah, she's the one who's terrifying in it. Yeah, when she goes to the house and well, that's yeah. that's another film. <laughs> I think she was. I think she was in a lot of like old westerns and stuff. Yeah, and she she did most, but even to her dying day, not in ninety six, she was working all the way up. And uh, mm-hmm. but for that many roles, you know, got to give her a shout out. Um, even to Nathan Graham, the gentleman who plays Nathan Graham, was in a lot mm-hmm. of films. Um, you got a lot of great old school, new school. Ted Danson, Ed, Har- Ed Harris. Le- um, Leslie Nielsen, of course. Well, that's not new school. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have the old school, which would be E.G. Marshall. Mm-hmm. Leslie Nielsen, because Leslie Nielsen ran for years before this. Hal Holbrook. Um, Hal Holbrook, who's, I love Hal Holbrook. Fritz Weaver, I mean, and uh, so it was. It's, it's a nice, great cast all around. Yeah, it's a nice blend. And this whole scenario works because I mentioned the reason because they're all assholes. I mean, the whole opening scene is them walking around making fun of each other. Oh, blah, blah. Oh, blah, blah. And we killed such and such and yeah, blah, blah, yeah. I want my cake, you bitch. But the great thing, see, that's, you know, it's it's clever writing as well because it, you know, all of these characters are pretty obnoxious and horrible. So whenever they do eventually get it, you're like fucking cheering, you know what I mean? You're on the side of the monster or whoever, you know what I mean? Well, that's the whole point, and you, you, you're talking about the whole protest and people bad mouth. The whole point of these comics was the bad got their comeuppance. Yeah, they got the punished. Yeah, and I an mean, I, usually an ironic twist. Exactly, and, you know, good versus evil kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, yeah, be careful what you wish for, or you know, <laughs> don't be a prick, or this will happen to you. A monster the, in a crate will eat you. <laughs> the scene when Aunt Bedelia gets it, mm-hmm. always, and I still can never figure it out to this day. We remember watching this, and we kept rewinding it when the hand pops out of the grave. Yes, as a first time, first time seeing it, you're scared shitless. <laughs> it's a very carry moment, very uh, mm-hmm. Jason jumping out of the you'll find out of the water moment. And it is a great jump scare. And mm-hmm. to this day, I can never tell you when the ad's going to come up. I can kind of get the tone of the music kind of drools down. But I can never catch that exact moment when the ad's going to pop up. Yeah. It's kind of like a jack-in-the-box. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so when Hank decides to go visit the grave, this poor bastard gets the worst death, even over anyone else, uh, just because... It's so horrible, and I think you got to give credit to the sound guy who made the squishing sound. <laughs> yes, that was but, probably Savini. Yeah, more him, but it was just just so disturbing. And he's sitting; he's nowhere he can go. Mm-hmm. Imagine being in a grave three feet down, mm-hmm. and this big tombstone's about to fall on your it head. Falls right on top of you. Nothing yeah. you can do. <laughs> oh, great death! And then we, of course, when uh, is it Cass who gets it? Or is it Sylvia? I always get those two confused. Once you get your head spun around. Yes, it's the... Uh, the, the it's Cass or Sylvia. It's one of yeah. the two. And I just... Oh, just fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, this one isn't as long as I thought it was. No, uh, I, I always remembered this um, being... 
um, quite short. Yeah, this one, the next one we're about to talk about. Um, so when when was the oh the ashtray? I was about to say when the ashtray was in this one, he was killed by the ashtray mm-hmm. in this one. And so she, he was just a grumpy old bastard, and she was caring for him. And the guy she was seeing, he killed her, killed her <laughs> husband, because or killed the boyfriend because he wanted her to take care of him the rest of her life. Pretty much something like that, or, or just, or maybe even just because he was just an old bastard. The yeah. fun thing, the fun thing about this, I do like how and then they she killed him, but yes, yes, after she, after he killed her boyfriend, yes. So, what I like about Creepshow is they're as they're telling the stories, they do it in comic book form. Yes. And each each scene is, or it's swiped, or even when they're saying "meanwhile" at the bottom of the screen in type, or yeah. something like that. Very comic book. Yeah, the, and, the comic book grids type thing. Yeah, and this is where Walter Hill wanted to do for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. The Warriors back in '78, he wanted to do this comic book style storytelling. Um, that would have been the, hard to pull off with the, the Warriors. Well, he did because he wanted people to know this is this is based on a it's a it's yeah. it's a tale, and I want you know because back then it was so gritty and raw. They wanted people to know it's just a comic, it's a movie. Um, and now, if you watch the remastered version that's out of the Warriors, it's only that version, it's the comic book version, right? Just watch it. It's great for that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and each story is done with the swipe or meanwhile. Yes. And it has this comic book, or they they pepper it, they, or they cartoon up the character, yeah. and they slide to the next scene. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. So he kind of, Walter Hill got to remaster that and kind of do this kind of creep show kind of storytelling, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I thought it hurt the film, but it actually kind of works. Well, in this as well, there's also an effect that they use um, where whenever a really horrific moment happens, the, like... Um, the lighting. The lighting goes to red. Mm-hmm. Um, now I could be wrong here, but that may be a homage, or they may be using it for its actual original effect. Whereas certain um, film boards would basically have issues with you know on-screen violence and gore and stuff, and so that was just a way of getting around it, or or of sort of toning it down a bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's that you mm-hmm. get away from censorship. Fucking MPAA, I hate that. Yeah. And also, they can make an excuse. Go, well, it's just a comic book, so yes. we'll put a little red flare into it, mm-hmm. like a, like uh, like what that asshole did for fucking what do you call that robot Santa one we just did? Yes, I. But that was he. He was trying to do the same thing, but it didn't work. No, 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 no. Um, uh, Quentin but, Tarantino does it um, with Kill Bill Volume One, where uh, you know, in the crazy idiot um, fight scene, you know, it's just a complete massacre. It's shot in black and white. Um, or at least it was released in black and white at that particular scene, but uh, in many ways it was a homage. But at the same um, time, you know, for, for when films, certain films had to do that back in the day. But in other ways, it was because the the scene itself was so like bloody and violent as well. Yeah. You know, um, the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill. Yeah, this, this is, is <laughs> this is the one I hated. Uh, I think everyone hated. Yeah. I think most people hate. But I'm going to tell you now, I'm going to flip on this one. I don't hate it anymore. And I hate the E.G. Marshall one is my, my least favorite now. Right. Um, and the reason I say this, and I think this is why it works. A, Stephen King got the part because he's Stephen King. 
but also because he's Stephen King who can't act. Mm-hmm. And I think that gives him a lovability in this in this scene, in the segment. Yeah. And he's so naive and stupid. Sorry, he is. And childlike. Yeah. That of all these characters we're about to talk about, all of them, his death is the most sad. Yeah. And well, I, he be- because he's so, I don't want to use simple because I'll get yelled at. No, well, he's, he's, really, really he's so is. naive and yeah. childish. Yeah. When he gets it, you really feel you feel bad for him. Well, he's the only one that um, you know gets it, who essentially doesn't deserve it. Yeah, because all the rest of them do deserve what they get, <laughs> because they're pretty much bastards. Um, but the problem I have with this is not even uh, on this repeat viewing. Um, I remember before saying, oh, fucking, you know, he needs to stick to this day job. He's, he, you know, terrible actor. But it actually works in a in the same way that Quentin Tarantino popping up as an actor in films works. It's kind of like a gimmick and it's kind of like funny because it's like so bad it's good. So that, that's, I think, what hurts it the most, though, is the story itself is very weak. Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. The story, it, it, it's a weak segment, but it's better than the E.G. Marshall one. I um, And... We'll get to that one, and but I still go, but I still. You're right. The, the, the story's stupid. Yeah, and it, especially coming off Father's Day, which was so fun. And I think it's the weakest of the stories here. Yeah, I would agree with that, but it's not the story; it's the character of Jordy. I felt so sorry for him at the end. He had, he, and he has to take his own life. He hadn't done any harm to anyone. But yeah, yes. that's my point. Yeah, the story's weak and it's quick. It's what fifteen minutes at mm-hmm. that, twenty minutes maybe, and it fly and it. You had, you had me because you're like, oh man, and now we're gonna go back to have some fun. But I think that's why that wins to me over the E. G. Marshall one because mm-hmm. E. G. Marshall, there's pretty much only one character in it besides White and uh, a couple of voices, a load of cockroaches, a load of cockroaches. But that's why this one wins. Beat. That's why that one beats over. The bug one, but yeah. we'll we'll dabble into the bug one here in a minute. Uh, the ashtray is in it's next to the cash box. You know when he's having those flat, he's having those flash right. forwards. Yes, yes. he get he all this money. Be, um, you know, make big money. Yeah, the media. I suppose shit. if anything, this is this is a, a, a morality morality tale about greed because um, he was trying to make a load of money off basically the meteorite, um, but it backfired on him big time. But yeah, he wasn't a bad could, person. Like, the, yeah, like so many it, of the rest of them were. It could be don't fuck with Mother Nature. It could be so many different things. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, at the end of the day, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. Uh, but story wise, it's, it, it's it's the weak it's, link of all the stories here for me. It's a weak. It's the weakest link of the story. I think I, but the character wins me over. There you go. Yeah, I, I certainly on rewatching it um, for the podcast. I actually enjoyed Keen more in it than I had yeah, done before. That's my point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as an adult, you kind of go, "Hmm, you know what? I kind of see what they're trying to do with this." It's tongue cheek. Uh, next one, something to tide you over with Ted Danson. Love this. Uh, Leslie Nielsen and Becky, and we all know Becky. She's Gail Ross. Yes, she played France Dean in Dawn of the Dead. That's right. So. Now, the cool thing about Leslie Nielsen is everyone knows him as Frank Drebin, but what a lot of people don't realize he was not a comedic actor. Um, he was a straight he, actor? 
Yeah, he was yep. a straight actor. He did Airplane, but he was did Forbidden Planet. Yes. He did all these other films before he kind of went into this route. And this was even before that. Mm-hmm. Um, he did Airplane, but again, so did a lot of other actors who were straight, you know, straight. Um, who played their role straight, is what I meant. Yeah. But he's very, you could see where Frank Drebin came from almost out of this role because he plays it so tongue-in-cheek and over-the-top villainous. But, yeah, and, but he's also quite, whenever he's doing the, the villainous, he's quite sinister as well, but at the same time, it, yes, it's tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, he knows how to, he's very, it, 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 he plays two characters really well in the, in the, it could be in the same scene. Yeah. Um, he could be having, you know, good tongue-in-cheek banter, Ted Danson getting the hole, and then he starts shooting around him. Get in the fucking hole. He's basically no. a pantomime film, but yeah. he's very good at it and very sinister at times. This is something you would see fucking Dennis Hopper do, mm-hmm. and known known to do it well. Not mm-hmm. Leslie Nielsen, but he does definitely Ham pull it, it off. Type he thing. does pull it off. And Ted Danson, kudos. He's a rookie at this point. Cheers was just it's just been out for about a year. Yeah, um, and Cheers wasn't a hit when it first came out, so he's probably still unrecognizable. Um, but. Uh, even he's good. But see, Ted Danson, again, is one of those guys until he got later on in his career after Cheers, you didn't really see him in serious roles. Yes. And then, and he's good in this one. He's, he's very good at playing the guy panicking. Mm-hmm. Another guy who's just... It's a horrific death. Oh, it's um, a horrible death. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah. I mean, how do you... How do you... Oh. And Leslie this, Nielsen's such a bastard. And it's like, he's such glee he's taking when Let me it. get... Would you get in the hole? Would I? Well, it got you a gunpoint. You know what I mean? You would have to say to yourself, you know, I've no choice here, but at least once I get in the hole, there may be a very slim chance of an escape. Nah, I'd go for the gun. <laughs> I, no, I'm not getting buried like that. No way. I mean, when he buries him, right? Mm-hmm. And he's neck up. It's such a great scene. God loved I mean, even though I would be Ted Danson, Ted Danson told us how they did it. Um, and... He says, even I, I'm just sitting in a box underneath there. Yeah. You felt so vulnerable. Claustrophobic, um, all when, sorts. When it's he, basically being buried alive. Pretty much. And yeah. when he tell when he tells him, uh, yeah, 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 you, you know, he, he goes, you can't try to move your arms. No, you can't, right? It's kind of like being in cement, right? <laughs> yeah, he's just taunting him. Mm-hmm. And you can see his face, you know, <laughs> him trying to move his arms, you know, by the react, by the, by the movement of his face, and yeah, uh, such it's and and I use the word I use the word quite a bit. There's very good banter between mm-hmm. these two, and banter doesn't necessarily have to be comedic. Yeah, it's just rat tat tat. Yeah, and they they play really well off each other, mm-hmm. and this once he's in that hole, he knows he. He, he, he's, he's fucked. Yeah, big time. That's why he should have gone for the gun. <laughs> and so he, when he, when he brings out all, all the video equipment, so he can see and watch her death, which mm-hmm. is so cruel, because he's showing him now what's about to happen to him. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! This, it, when you think when you when you talk about it, it the, he's a cruel bastard. Oh, but, oh, he's a sadist. So when he gets back to, he records his whole thing, and when he get and he uh, goes back, and that shot where he's 
he, he's buried there, and Henry is like, uh, is it Henry? Right? Yeah. I think that's his name. Yeah, Henry. They used they, they, they Harry, Becky, Harry, 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 and. Yeah. So are you talking about the Leslie Leeson character? Yeah. No, no, that's Richard. Yeah, Richard. So Harry's uh, is buried, and you can see, they have some nice shots of you see the water coming toward you, mm-hmm. like to put you in the same position he's in, and he's sitting there counting. You know, he's getting ready to, to take in this this big breath because you know there's waves coming in his face. It's horrible. Yeah, I know. And then know. he looks and he sees another wave coming. and He says, "Oh my god." Mm-hmm. And the wave just comes and buries him, and then the next shot you see him under the water, <laughs> and we and we talk about the horrific shots, but they put a little glow behind him to let people know, come on, it's just a cartoon, Again, comic book, yeah, yeah. But it's horrible seeing Ted Danson. Ted Danson said he did that, and he had to try to breathe. Oh, it's horrible. But he yeah. was in. No, I agree. Again. It's it's pretty it's, it's grim stuff. Like so, when they come back to get him. Mm-hmm. And there's like Richard. They're and they've got seaweed monsters. Yeah, they got that. That's right. And every time he shoots at them, it just comes out watery. Yeah, it's green a great wa- Green water too. The the special effects to, um, throughout this film are superb. But once again, Savini at the top of his game. This is probably Savini's best work. Very possibly, yeah. Because he's, he's this is his first besides Dawn of the Dead and some of them. This is his he, because this is his first time out of the slasher element, mm-hmm. and he's more into like uh, for Fluffy. Well, it's more cre- creature feature type. Yes, know, yeah. For Fluffy, mm-hmm. he kept calling his buddy Rob Bottin, who did the thing. Yeah, I, I read howling. that. Howling. He advised him. He kept telling him on the phone, "This is what you need to do." This because and because he wasn't used to doing. I actual creatures. It was and more like creature like this. Um, body injuries and stuff. And it came out. And the funny thing is, the one he had the most trouble with is the best feet. It's the, it's the crate's the best one in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And Fluffy is so cool. Yeah, and he does just an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Um, considering he was, you know, doing something that he was going outside the box. Yeah. So at the end, when he gets buried, he goes, I can hold my breath for a long, long time. <laughs> and at the end, he got this quirky little music. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's uh, because it's all, this is a comedy horror. It's all tongue-in-cheek and keeping in the sort of tongue-in-cheekness of those old comic books. So now we come to my favorite one. The crate. The longest one. It's got Fritz Reaver. It's got Hal Holbrook, my the beautiful, beautiful, and I love Adrian Barbeau. Um, it's got Mike the janitor, who is mm-hmm. another character actor I want to shout out. His name's Don Kiefer. Um, lived a good long while, over two hundred credits to his name. Mm-hmm. You will see him in a lot of TV shows. He was always in a lot of westerns and stuff like that. Um, and he, he just, you know. Nice to see him. Yeah. And I want to give him a shout out. Let's talk of the crate. Right now, I'm telling you right now, Wilma steals your show. She's brilliant. Just tell her to call you Billy. Yeah. <laughs> Best line in the film. It's before she, she gets her comeuppance. It's, she, she goes, she's still nagging away at him. She's still, she's saying, he goes, and when was the last time you got her up? When was the last time you were a man in bed? 
I'll leave it, darling. Here, says, um, you're gonna be wearing your balls for your earrings, and it's just, it's relentless. So whenever Fluffy does actually grab her and kill her, you're actually like, it's, it's a relief. Oh God, you just want. I think Fluffy just wanted to shut her up. I don't think he was even hungry. <laughs> um, this. We know about this. We're not going to dive into it as much, um, break it down. But the big thing I saw, like I said, from the podcast eyes, mm-hmm. is the reversals. And what I mean by that is in the opening sequence, the beginning sequence, they're at this dinner party, and you've got um, you've got uh, Dexter, and you've got Henry, yes, who are good buddies, they're college professors. And Dexter's kind of a playboy, you know, of the you know, of the campus where Henry has got fucking Billy to deal with. Mm-hmm. But he's very shy, timid, easily manipulated, as you can tell what Wilma and Billy was what it's called Billy. Fantasies of killing her. Yeah. But here's Dexter going, I'll come back. You know what? I had a date tonight, but I'll come back for you, buddy. Mm-hmm. I'll come back and play some chess. Oh thanks, man. I could really use your company. Because he doesn't want to be alone with her. <laughs> um but the minute Fluffy shows his face. Dexter becomes scared, a recluse. He's terrified, oh, yeah. rightfully so. And as he's telling him the story of Fluffy, Hal Holbrook, Henry's character, becomes the Dexter character, a lot more confident, a lot more... Because he sees you know his I mean? way out of his dilemma. That, yes, he, he sees a, a light at the end of the tunnel. So it gives him this resilience. Mm-hmm. I never caught that, believe it or not. So, but let's talk about Mike's death. So, when they find the the ark, now I don't think this has been. Uh, someone's said that this is, you know, set in stone. But the crate was supposed to be a homage to the thing from another world. Right, it's, it's yeah. the Arctic Expedition, eighteen thirty four, and the thing from another world had a. You That's know, right. Yep. Arctic mm-hmm. expedition. I think that was their way of playing a monster. That it wouldn't be the new thing because the new thing I think just came out. Or no, it would have been the original. It would have been the original, especially mm-hmm. if it's based on something like from Vault of Horror or Tales mm-hmm. from the Crypt kind of style. Mm-hmm. So, so when Mike the janitor gets it, and why <laughs> the fuck would he put his hand in that crate? First of all, <laughs> he was yeah. Well, when he we needed it to happen for the plot to move forward, but yeah, it, it's a long. And it's, it's all about tongue and cheek, so I I I run with it. Yeah, but when he puts his hand in there and he's getting gnawed on, and you see Mike's just sitting there and he's in his hand is inside the crate and the rest <laughs> of his body's out of it. He's just sitting there and he looks tired and weathered. He's <laughs> fucked, and you see the blood slowly coming down the arm. Yeah, and then when when uh, Dexter reaches over just for a second to try to grab him away from the crate. The crate opens and there's Fluffy. Yeah. Um, Brilliant reveal. And then it pushes him into the crate and you see his body just start shaking and blood Brilliant. coming out of him. It is. And again, the, you're, they change the tone. They change the color a bit so it doesn't look red. Mm-hmm. Um, Brilliant gore effects as well from Savini. Yeah, and it still works though. It still, it still mm-hmm. works. It's a sad death code because the good banter between himself and Dexter and... Uh, you kind of got to know the character before him just became, you know, the guys you do get it, Charlie gets it, the student, which is gruesome death. That's right. He, and you get to know With them. The be, yeah. You get to know them before, you know, mm-hmm. they get their comeuppance and they're decent characters. So yeah, when Charlie gets it, this is the one we were talking about where it goes all completely red mm-hmm. and he just, 
he just claws it. He just his neck. He bites his neck. You know, it's pretty much half gone. And then he takes his claw and he rips his face where his right eye is now is you know his left eye is now sloped. It's like he's moved his face, it realigned his face. There you go. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The left eye is slightly lower than the right eye now. Yeah. So Charlie's death. Um, even though the characters only lit up for a bit, they even had a conversation about Charlie before he showed up in the scene. So you already kind of introduced him through a conversation that was had at the party. Now, this is when Henry decides to, he's going to use this for his advantage because he knows Dexter's a smart guy. He knows Dexter did see something. So he's pretty much going on the fact Dexter's, you know, he's this playboy, the smart professor. He's not going to bullshit him. So he's relying on the story, to, and he, I, I do love. He, he writes his love letter to, to Billy, and oh, it's, it's brilliant. And she, she, she falls. Yeah, for it. because he's always, oh, you're so good at this, Billy. You know me. I'm not good at confrontation, and just pretty much kissing her ass for the whole letter. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she's loving it because she thinks it's a bit of uh, juicy gossip. Yeah, exactly. And she's pouring the drink into her milk and everything. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> Was that bourbon and milk? Which is basically, it's just basically saying that she drinks too much, <laughs> uh, borderline alcoholic, plus she never shuts the fuck up and she never stops running her mouth off. Uh, <laughs> you know? So, you know? when Billy finally gets, after he cleans up the crime scene, and yes. the crate is back, he realizes that the Fluffy has moved the crate back underneath the... Uh, oh, well, no. That was before, right? Yeah. Anyways, yeah. he comes down, he, he cleans up the crime scene, mops it up, and he's trying to tell Billy, no, he had he tried to have his way with this one of these student girls and and she crawled up underneath the stairs. And Bell Holbrook's so fucking brilliant and how he's trying not to laugh. And Billy's because because not because he's telling the story, because fucking Billy's buying it. Yeah. Because it's such a stupid story. And he knows what's waiting for him. Yeah, and he's so, and she goes, why are you laughing? She finally realized, why are you laughing? Oh, I know I shouldn't be laughing. This, this whole persona mm-hmm. and his whole confidence in selling it, which is the complete opposite, which it was not too long ago. At the start. And mm-hmm. when he gets her underneath the stairs, he says, banging her, banging her head. I thought her <laughs> head was going to fall off. And <laughs> nothing happens. He kind There's a nice shot where he's like, oh, his head drops, meaning Dexter was nuts. This isn't happening. Mm-hmm. What have I done? And that's when she starts going off on him, and the fucking fluffy comes out and just—it's a brilliant monologue by Adrian Barbeau. It's just so um, vitriol and nasty, and then and like you're just busting for fluffy to jump out, and he does it at the right time. Yeah, and it's a nice little scare because you don't really know when it's like again Jack in the Box with the hand from the beginning. Yeah. You just don't know when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he tells Dexter what he's done, and that's it. Yep. The crate's my favorite one. The crate's always been my favorite one, hands down. They're all decent, but the but the, the, the um yeah, it would be it would be between probably my, my top two, my joint top two would be um the well the, the last two ones we've spoken about the crate. And also um, the Lesney Leeds and Ted Danson one. Yeah, I'd go Father's Day over that one, but they're all good. They're all good. Besides, well, this one's all right. And the only reason it stays 
at all afloat is because of E.G. Marshall. Um, E.G. Marshall plays Mr. Pratt. We are now mm-hmm. in, what is this one called again? Oh, it's something they'll creep after you or something. Or they'll keep creeping after you or oh, something. Oh, fuck, do I not know what this one's called again? They're creeping up yeah. on you. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, Marshall plays is very good and very bigoted, unreal how bigoted mm-hmm. he is. And he's pretty much a guy who's got OCD and he's a douche. Yes. Uh, yeah, this, this story, the story itself, I don't think is the strongest, but what, again, saves it is his performance for me, but also the cockroaches are really creepy and they freak me you out. You know they're real? I know, I know at least a, a vast majority no, of them were real. They, they, had, they had to get a cockroach guy and they mm-hmm. got a guy from South America and he brought them up and they had to contain them and a lot of them got out and they were worried about laws about bringing a, a different animal, a creature, whatever, to a, to another yeah, continent. Yeah. And they got they got they got him back, but yeah, they had to get a bug guy who oh, I can't remember how many tons. I can't remember the pounds it was, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they they, they freak they freak me out. Uh, all I mean, real insects freak me out anyway. But uh, yeah, oh, this is just so. And then his death at the end, at the very end, after he's dead, and all the cockroaches like burst out of his eyes, and you know all, what? And like people had a problem with that. And I said that was a fucking good effect. It's a brilliant. It looks effect. just like him. Yeah. No. No. I mean, I, well, you can see a little. Oh, bit stop! Of it, but I can see a little no, bit. No. No. You can't. To, to be honest, but it still works. But it still works. You know what I mean? One hundred percent. I think it's a superb effect. Uh, I just, I, I just felt the. F- I like Mr. I like White, who's speaking to him mm-hmm. and kind of being a sarcastic prick to him. When you yeah. give me the bug guy, give me the bug guy. Uh, the problem I have with it, there's not much to talk about. Yeah, it is quite a weak story in terms of actual plot and story itself, but I think it's more of it's the cockroaches. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, you can't say this yeah. cockroach is brilliant in this scene. Well, yeah, it's still the show, but no, I mean. <laughs> It's it's you know it's generally the the sort of main central performance, but also the cockroaches save it, and the special effects by Savini, of course. I think it, uh, with wrapping up Creepshow, I think Creepshow has the one thing it did for me as a fan of horror. It introduced me to the anthology because I didn't know about the Tales from the Crypt when I was a young age when I saw mm-hmm. Creepshow, and then you got uh, after Creepshow was such a hit, they released. Tales from the Dark Side came out. Then he had Tales Cat's from yeah Tales from the uh, Dark Side movie come out. Cat's Eye would be kind of like that. You had it was quite a lot of sort of anthologies. A creep show too. Obviously. Yeah, you had um, Nightmares, which was pretty good with Milly Westerves, one of his first films. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, and you had this one really good one called After Midnight. You guys should check that out. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah, you had all these anthologies coming out, and I love them all. Um, oh, yeah. Some of the stories don't work, but they're not shit. I mean, well, it's like all of um, these anthology horror films. Uh, you're always going to have, you know, your favorite stories o- over other ones. Of course, they were very big um, in the British film industry since basically the 1940s. Yeah, you know, with likes of Dead at Night, Dead, sorry, Dead of Night and stuff. You know, right through to all the sort of Hammer and Amicus ones and stuff. So, yeah, they've always been quite. Big. I mean, even in recent years, by ghost stories. 
with you know Paul Whitehouse and Martin Freeman and stuff. So they've always been a, a staple of British horror. Yeah, they have been because we had our American our anthologies were like little half hour segments like night like night night gallery or yes. Twilight Zone and then Twilight Zone Outer Limits. Then thing. Yeah. you guys put out one called Tales from the Crypt with Joan Collins. Yes. And we mm-hmm. did our version called Tales of Terror, which is pretty good with uh, Karen Black and stuff yeah. like that. So we started getting competitive in that market. But again, I didn't really. Mm-hmm. It was Creepshow, and I think Creepshow in general put anthology back on the map in some form or another. And oh yeah, I think it definitely made a you know, I mean, I wouldn't say um, made it popular again. I think they've always been sort of popular, but definitely it introduced maybe a newer audience to them. Yeah, Creep Show uh, is my golden boy. I love everything about it. I love the Creep. I love the mascot. I love the new TV shows that's out now. What Creep Show? Mm-hmm. I love the promo art. I love the editing, the comic book style, the music, the music by Arthur Rubenstein. I like. Yep. I just love anthology horror in general. I like. I like. I love the the. It puts a smile on your face when the villains get their clumpins. Uh, yeah, that's what it's, that's what these I mean, things are all about, and it's it's keeping in the tone of those you know comics, but also you know previous um, anthology films as well. Yeah, not yeah. just tell it to call you Billy. That was the best line in the entire film. <laughs> just tell it. To- Adrian Barbo's brilliant. Oh, she it? makes you so funny. So she's really really funny. She's just such a bitch. Oh, you know? So over the top. She was she was yeah. so good in the early eighties. Oh yeah, uh-huh. this was her prime. Yeah, like you know, a fun actress, and she, 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 she's so reserved and quiet mm-hmm. in the fog. Stevie yeah. Wayne, you know, and it's just mm-hmm. she, she could do no wrong. She was, she's, she was, yeah. I think quite, quite frankly, underrated. Um, All right, guys, we're gonna wrap this one up. Uh, Creep show. It is well, we might get to Creep Show too. Might be kind of fun one to check out. No problem. And then Creep Show three is so bad. Uh, well, a creep show. I mean, it's it's obviously a, a huge sort of love letter to those types of sort of um, oldie AC type comics and sort of anthology horrors um, by Romero and King. So and Savini. So yeah, those are all stuff they grew up on. So that's pretty much their, them giving a nod of the hat, going, "Thank you." It's usually entertaining. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys, you can uh, give us your thoughts, comments, ideas, movies you want us to do at CitizenFrame underscore podcast at Instagram. And, of course, on Facebook, the new issue of Phantasm Glory is out now, available on Amazon all over the world and, of course, locally at Forbidden Planet. And, of course, now in Pennsylvania, we're stateside. We're coming for you at Phantasm Comics in Pennsylvania. Uh, guys, take care of yourselves. We'll be back real soon. And uh, there you have it. That's all I got for you. Later. Excellent.